Welcome to the Wild Arrow Outdoors podcast. Our goal is to help educate people on all aspects of archery while at the same time, learn some new information from some of our outstanding guests. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Wild Arrow Outdoors podcast. My name is Joe, and I'm kicking it off today with my buddy Steve. Steve, what is going on? Same old, same old. I wish it was really that easy. There's a lot going on. A uh, lot of stuff going on at work, a lot of stuff going on at home. So, yeah, just staying busy. I am as well. Um, but I think what we really should talk about tonight, instead of all the busy stuff, is we got some 3d coming up. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I I've been spending a lot of my time lately shooting paper and I, I be honest with you. Um, my focus has really been more on the paper, but you know, 3d is coming right around the corner. Um, so why don't we kick that? Why don't we kick this one around a little bit? Um, what have you been, we'll start with you and tell me what you've been doing, what you're thinking about, what you got going on. Um, and then I'll let you know what I've been up to this year. I have not done any indoor shooting because my shoulder being jacked up from a car accident four months ago, I was unable to stand there and do as many shots as what indoor shooting requires. So I've laid off of the, of the bow a lot, uh, since last October, I am now getting where I can 3d I can do, uh, because it's a shot every now and then. So I'm looking very forward to 3D, and 3D is my favorite. Anyway, I, I I keep saying if there was the Vegas shoot going on in a 3D tournament across the street, I'm going to the 3D tournament. So you guys, when you get down at the at the indoor shoot, uh, I just love 3D, love it. I did go shoot a 3D tournament this past Saturday at one of our local clubs, and it's the first time I've done any competing since last August. So I did knock a lot of rust off. And it's also, I found it kind of odd that um, when season ended last year, I was on a roll. I was, I felt like I was really doing well and, you know, even winning the state championship and things of that na nature, I felt like I was doing things right and then laying off that long. And I have not been doing a lot of practicing. Um, I go to this tournament this past Saturday and I was just all over the place. I mean, I shot okay. Uh, I ended up nine down on a pretty hilly terrain course. So it's, it's actually one of the tougher courses I ever shoot. Um, which the good part is, is when I go practice on that range, then when I get to a, another tournament where it's a flatter terrain, it's not bad, but we get some, oh, 30, 35, 40 degree angles uphill and downhill on this range. It makes it a little difficult. Uh, but yeah, I shot nine down, but the big mistake that I made, uh, I, call, I keep calling it my rookie mistake is I got the kickstand that goes in my bow. And, and I was shooting with another guy that I hadn't seen since last summer and standard talking to him. And I just, it was my turn to shoot. And I just picked up my bow and shot, didn't take my kickstand off. And kickstand was actually up, actually hit the cam when I shot. So I had a bedded buck at 38 yards and I was right on the shot felt good when it broke. And then all you heard was thud. And I'm like, what did I hit? And I hit that bedded buck in the leg about 18 inches off of the 10 rings. But luckily it wasn't an inch lower. It would have been a zero. So I took that five with, with a little bit of pride. And then the other thing that I found that I really need to work on is I did not call my uppers properly. Um, I was, 
I would call an upper and stick a arrow in the lower. I wouldn't say anything. And then I'd put a arrow in the upper. So I, that cost me, I, I mean, I should have been actually about eight up if I had pulled my head out of my butt and, and concentrated on what I, what I need to be doing. So I was really glad I shot that tournament, uh, cause, uh, Foley's coming up in another week on us. And I, I said, I, I personally knocked a lot of rust off mentally. I knocked some rust off and that's where I just need to focus. I know how to shoot my bow. I just got to focus and get back into that game and get back into the competition side of it. So how about you? Holy cow. Yeah. I don't even know where to start, honestly. Um, <clears throat> so my preparation thus far, I would say is, has been, uh, substandard, inadequate, not good enough. Um, but, uh, again, a lot of that's because I've been focusing on the paper game. So, um, for anybody who listens, uh, you know, I just got back from the Vegas tournament. So, um, once hunting season wrapped up for me, which was about mid December, because my daughter came home from college and she had already been <clears throat> transitioned into shooting paper. So I kind of put the hunting bow away when she got home so we could spend time together and, and immediately just started shooting paper with the objective of, of trying to do, do well in Vegas. And, um, so, you know, it's funny cause I, I run a 3d league here at our local club every Thursday night. And for the first two weeks of 3d league, I didn't even shoot the course. I just was, I'd wait until everybody was done and then I'd go in the back room and shoot paper. So, <clears throat> so there's that, that's part of it. The other part of it is, um, here in North Dakota, all of our local clubs are all Reinhardt. There is not a club in North Dakota that has a Delta McKenzie set. So the only Delta McKenzie targets that are here in Bismarck are the ones that are in my garage. <laughs> so, um, the other piece of it is, um, for those of you who haven't ventured up here to the thriving metropolis of Bismarck, North Dakota, February t tends to be a little chilly. Um, I will say we've had a bit of a reprieve this year from prior years, but it's not necessarily conducive to taking targets outside and shooting when it's 20 below. Um, the foam freezes just so you know, in case you haven't, in case you haven't tried it, the foam will actually freeze. So, so, you know, a little safety tip for, for those of you out there. But, um, so, so right now for me, the only option that I have is indoor and the only target options that I have are Reinhardt's unless I want to haul all mine down to the range in my truck and set them up and tear them down and all of that, which I just not going to do because it's too much work. Uh, so, so that's the target piece of my equation. Uh, the other piece for me is the bow setup. So I've got, um, the, tar the target bow that I shot for Vegas, it's a, uh, it's a PSE super focus, um, in the, uh, extra long draw. It's a, the 40 inch axle to axle, super focus XL. And <clears throat> I've, I've not ever shot that bow for anything but paper and I'm shooting 27s out of it now. And they're shooting pretty well. Uh, so this past weekend, we had we had a little local tournament, and I thought, well, you know what? I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna take out my six X lens. I'm gonna put my four X in and throw a pin behind it, 
and try to get some marks real quick and I'll shoot this for the 3D tournament. Well, that was nothing short of a dumpster fire. Um, the shots felt pretty good, but I just, oh my gosh, trying to find 12. So on the Reinhardts, obviously you're shooting center 12s. Um, there are no uppers and lowers. Um, the, the, the 12 rings are various sizes and dimensions based on the size of the target. You know, you've got your elk and your moose targets that have a pie plate. And then you've got your turkeys that have about the size of a dime. Uh, and when you're shooting 27s, if you're shooting with somebody else who's shooting 27s and they stuff one in those little dime, dime X's, you're out of luck, brother. <laughs> there's no, there's nowhere to go. But, uh, the biggest issue that I found, it was actually a really good experiment because what I learned, my big takeaway from the weekend is I cannot shoot a 4X lens indoors with that bow setup. I could not see a thing. It was, Steve, it was so bad. How bad was it? <laughs> it was so bad. I had a, I, How bad I was had it? a target. I had one target where I come to full draw. And I'm sitting there looking through my lens, trying to find that target. And all that I can see in my scope is the reflection of light coming out of the front door of the range and people standing at the door behind me. That's all I could see. So I had to have the guy that I was shooting. Oh my gosh. So the guy that I was shooting with, I had to have his daughter stand behind me and play umbrella to block that light off the back of my scope just so I could find the target. And so finding the target was the first challenge. But once I found the target, not only could I not see rings, I could barely see, I could barely make out the outline of the inserts. It, it was, it was an absolute dumpster fire. So the only hope that I had on those targets was if my buddy shot the target first and I had an arrow in there that I could get, I could pick up the, the back end of his arrow and I could try to aim off it, but it, it was, it was not good. So in, on, in our courses up here, uh, I know in most of the, uh, you know, ASA courses, right? You shoot a 20 target course and you know, you, you're up or down, like you said, you were nine down and you know, if you're two up, well, up here, we shoot 25 target courses. So your, your, the maximum score you could get, if you cleaned the course of 12s would be 300 points. So, so on my opening round, I shot a 274. I can't remember the last time I shot that low on one of our local courses. I mean, and, and I got to tell you, this was a soft course that this was not, I mean, max distance was 40 yards cause it's indoors and our range. If you, if you shoot corner to corner in our range, 40 yards is the max you can squeeze out of the space. So nothing real long, a marked yardage course. It, it doesn't really get much easier than that. So my average on a course like that, I would usually shoot in the high two eighties or the low two nineties. So I shoot this 274. I was honestly just happy I didn't miss a target because it was that bad. The, the visibility was that bad. So later that night, they were holding the team shoot. And I had signed up for the team shoot. 
and I was talking to my buddies and I just, I was like, I guys, I can't, I can't shoot this rig. Like my, I could drop the lens out of it and try to shoot it with just the pin with no magnification. And I, and I, I know that would be better, but I said, I just, I don't think this is the right setup. So I literally left the range and I came home and I got my hunting bow. And now my hunting bow, I've been shooting, it's an old victory 37. The thing's been through all kinds of, it's, it's experienced. Let's, let's put it that way. We'll say that bow is very experienced and you, and you know it by looking at it. And, but the thing about it is it's a tack driver. It's an absolute tack driver. You look at it and you think, I don't know how that bow's even going to function, but it just pounds. So I grab my, I grab my hunting arrows, grab the hunting bow. I go back down to the range and I'm like, well, I need to shoot a practice round before I, just to make sure, you know, cause the draw length is a little, it's a hair shorter, the draw weight. It's, you know, it's 60, I think I'm pulling about 66, 67 pounds. It's not, it's not real heavy, but it's much more heavy than my target bow. So I grab that thing. I go down there, no magnification. There's no magnification. I'm shooting a single pin HHA optimizer. And I go out and shoot a quick practice round and throw a, a 288 up on the board. Uh, so I'm like, all right, well. This, this'll, this'll do, this'll carry me, this'll carry me through the night anyway. So, um, so there's, so I got through the night with that, but I'm, I've got a new bow on order. I ordered one of those PSE shoot down pros and I haven't received it yet. I ordered it right after Christmas and it should be showing up later this month or early next. And my hope is that I'm going to be able to use that as a hunting bow as well. Um, so, so for me right now, I'm a little bit between rigs. I, I think that I could, if I had to, I could take my, my, um, super focus and drop down to X cutters from the 27s and pick up a little bit of speed, um, flatten her out a little bit and get some, get some tighter marks, um, and I think I could probably shoot pretty, pretty good with that. But what I'm, I'm trying to figure out is what I'll do or what I can do for lens configuration. I think, you know, uh, in my last ASA setup, um, I was shooting my old PSE Dominator Max and I was running a four power lens in that setup with my pins and I saw pretty good outdoors. I mean, my recollection is I, you know, I was shooting okay with that, with that setup, um, but right now I'm trying to figure out what I can do for magnification shooting indoors because, uh, that, that four power certainly was not doing me any help at all. Um, I've got a few, I got a couple of six X lenses, but you know, the, when you, you jump up to that six power, you really pick up a lot more movement. I mean, I, I can manage it. I can manage it. Okay. On paper, but I need to do some, some real soul searching and some experimentation to try to understand, if there's a magnification configuration that I can, that I can run for indoor, because we've got a, we've got a state tournament coming up in the not too distant future. That'll be an indoor event as well. And, you know, the guys, the guys that I'm shooting against in that are guys that I was shooting with this weekend and they were pounding 292s, 294s. 
you know, and if all I can do is shoot that hunting bow, I can, you know, I know I can squeak out a, a 288 or a 290, but that's just not going to be good enough. So going into the, uh, ASA season, are you planning on shooting bow hunter class like, like you have in the past? Or are you going to go to an open? Um, I'm still wrestling with that, to be honest with you. And here's, here's my wrestle. Um, I love the senior pins class, the dudes, the dudes on that range. I mean, that's how we met, right? Like, uh, the guys are, are just so awesome. I I miss them. You know, I didn't, I didn't make it to any any of the ASAs last year. And, you know, all the guys were blowing up my phone every time, every time a tournament came up, Hey, we're over on the practice bags. Hey, we're over here. Come shoot with us. I'm like, God, I'd love to guys. I'm not there. So that, that kind of tugs at my heartstrings a little bit. The other piece that, you know, I know I talked to you about a while back was the financial aspect of it. I feel like if I'm going to spend the money and do the travel, cause it's expensive, you know, to travel from North Dakota to get to any of the ASAs, there's nothing cheap. Uh, I feel like if I'm going to spend that money, I really should put myself in a class that I would at least, you know, if I shot well enough, if lightning strikes and I shoot well enough that I could potentially earn back some of the money, you know, I, I have no, I have no misgivings. I'm not going to, I'm not going to the ASAs to make money. That's I, I have, <laughs> I have no expectation of no, that. No, it's still cheap therapy. It's but, cheap therapy. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It is. But, um, you know, I would like to have, I'd like to at least put myself in a position where if I do shoot well enough that I could, maybe, maybe break even, maybe not break even, but get, get a little bit closer to center on the, on the cost side of it. So, um, and you know, I've, I've been shooting good, you know, I, uh, my, my shot feels good. I've been making some changes. I've really been working on my shot, the indoor, you know, you know how it is shooting paper forces you to break your shot down at a microscopic level. And you're, you know, over time, you're evaluating every aspect of your grip pressure, your grip position, your grip angle, your release. What type of release are you shooting? Okay, well, I switched over to this thumb button I've been shooting. You know, what's your hand position on the thumb button? How much back pressure? You know, how much let off? You know, that's that that was my that was my experiment tonight. I went down to the range. I'm shooting that blue face now. I'm I'm getting ready for Louisville. And uh, I started playing around. I, what I, what I learned in Vegas was that my, I was shooting that 80% let off mod and it was too soft. It, I, it was, it was allowing me to get lazy on the back wall and I was getting lazy. And so I put the factory stops back on it and now I have it at, uh, I think it's like 60% let off and I was shooting like a madman tonight. I honestly, Steve, I almost texted you and said, we're going to have to do this another night. Cause I was shooting so good. It's one of those nights where I was shooting so good. I didn't want to stop. You know, it was just crazy. I was just pounding them tonight. And so, um, you know, I think, I think I might've finally found a good combination. Uh, cause what I learned in Vegas was my, my bow was holding really good when I was shooting practice, but that whole changes when you inject nerves into the equation. And I, I didn't feel nerves real, real bad. The first day, like on the, on the, on the third, uh, I'm sorry, on the Friday round, the first competitive round, 
the first couple ends, I felt a little bit jittery, but it wasn't like I was coming apart at the seams or anything, you know, it was, it felt manageable, but I just noticed, you know, just like any magnified optic, right. You, you inject the slightest bit of nerves and that movement just goes crazy. Right. And so it's really almost a rodeo with your front, with your front pin or I, 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 I shoot a circle in my scope for paper. You know, a lot of guys shoot a dot. Some people shoot a pin, whatever, but I've been shooting the the circle because my brain likes to see what I'm aiming at. So I like to be able to see through the circle to see the X. A lot of guys just like to cover it with a dot. And I've played around with that a little bit, but I've, my brain really likes the circle. So, but, um, but so yeah, those, those are, those are some of the things I've been working through. And, um, I also know and noticed, uh, even though my score didn't reflect it, um, you know, my shots on the 3d course feel better. I'm aiming, I'm aiming better. Um, I'm much more patient. That is with one my thing aim. for sure that, uh, yeah, paper, paper shooting will definitely make you a better 3d shooter. It's like back in the day, I used to do a whole lot of shotgun shooting. And I personally was not a big fan of shooting trap, but shooting trap will definitely make you a better sporting clay shooter. And in archery, it's the same thing. The paper is going to make you a better shooter. Cause like you said, you have to, you know, knock it down to the microscopic level. Let me ask you about the lens. Um, how long have you been shooting with the lens on a, on a 3d course? Yeah. So on and off, it's really been a couple of years. I, when I first started shooting ASA, even though the rules allowed me to use a lens, I didn't because I, I just, I didn't really know that much about them. Number one, I didn't own any number two. And I kind of, you know, felt like I was seeing well enough that I didn't really need to. And then of course, as you evolve in the ASA, right? Any little thing that you can do to give yourself, to buy yourself a couple more bonus rings are the things you want to do. And then you start breaking, you start looking at your arrow. Okay. Well, let me go to a bigger arrow diameter, a diameter. Um, you know, um, I'm, you're, you're running your, every arrow configuration that you're putting together, you're running diligently through a chronograph to, you know, make sure that you're not over the speed limit, but that you're, you're right up against it. And, uh, you know, uh, and then I, so that's when I started using the lens. So it's, it's probably been about three years, but you know, the other part of it for me is every single thing that I do in competitive archery is ultimately geared towards the end game of hunting. And so it keeps me shooting year round, but when hunting season comes around, you can't in North Dakota, you can't use any, and I think that's true in most States. I don't know if it's true in all States, but in North Dakota, you are by law, you cannot use magnification. So, um, once hunting season comes around, I have to drop the lens anyway. So, um, so that's why I say it's an, it's an on again, off again. I, I, sh- I, I'll, I'll shoot a lens now for, for indoor, um, for, for ASA, I'll definitely shoot a lens, uh, but then I'll drop it out for hunting. So last year was the first time I ever 
Uh, I think I did one shoot, probably was back at Fort Benning back in uh, 22. Uh, I think that was the first time I ever shot with a lens. Um, prior to that, I, I, I am blessed. I mean, for my age, I have great eyesight. The last time I had my eyes checked wasn't too long ago. I still have 20-10 vision at a distance. I can't read anything without my glasses on, you know, but at a distance I can see really well. Um, I've shown that too when we did some field archery one time. I, I can, if the, if the, if we're just in the sunlight where I can see, you know, it's not in shadows and things of that nature, I can tell you what ring an arrow was in at 80 yards. I had people calling me a liar, like, you're using binoculars. No, I'm not. I can see that. Um, so I never shot with a lens. And then we was on a 3D course at one of, one of the, I think it was the one uh, at Foley probably back in 22. And some of the guys I was shooting with are like, what, what power lens do you have? And I'm like, I don't have one. Or like, holy crap. Well, if you ever get a lens, we're really going to be in trouble. So I was like, hmm, I'll get me a lens. So last year was the first, we'll call it full season, I actually competed with a lens. I liked it and I didn't like it. Um, I, I noticed that I had, I can only speak for myself. I don't know if it affects everybody the same way. Without a lens, I can go out and where my pin is, is where my arrow is going to go. With a lens, I noticed it. If the sun is in front of me, I can be off left or right. If the sun is behind me, I'm going to be off left or right, just the way the light refracts through the through the lens and what my eyes actually pick up. I didn't like it if it was a little bit foggy. I didn't like it if it was mist and rain. And so I actually have me a my I, I shoot bow hunter class, so I got I got five pins, and I actually got me a chart made up that I keep with me that if the weather is nasty or something else, I'm just going to pop my lens out because your pins are no longer what you have them set at uh, my middle pin right now is at my 30 yard my 30 yard stays the same but my top two pins and my bottom two pins change i go to like a nine yard gap approximately between my pins instead of a five yard gap between my pins um i i, I like it uh it helps me when i'm at full draw and the lighting's good and i can see the target better things of that nature but i manage so many times that i'm like do I really want to keep a lens in my bow or not when I'm shooting 3d? Yeah. You know, it's a, it's an interesting dilemma. I, I, I like you have been pretty blessed. I don't, my eyesight isn't as good as yours, but it's not too bad. I do wear contacts, but my prescription is a pretty light one. Um, but I also know, and I, and I noticed a significant difference when I switched to shooting the ASAs with the lens, you know, just, it's hard to hit what you can't see. Um, you know, if you're the, the conclusion that I came to is for me, um, if you're, if you're not shooting a lens in most circumstances, if you're 25 yards and beyond, you're not seeing the rings unless the light is just special and it happens to be hitting the target perfectly, you're making a proximity shot. So, and, and you can get away with that. Like, I mean, Hey, over the years, I've, I've shot a pile of 12s making proximity shots versus aiming hard at a 12 ring, you know, and that, that, that was the difference. It, when I popped the lens in, I picked up eight to 10 points almost immediately. 
I, I added my lens and also went to a larger diameter arrow at the same time. And, and that made a difference. I think the hardest part for me to get used to with the lens also was your movement. I mean, you're a full draw and you think you're holding steady. Well, pop a lens in if you really think you're holding steady, because it's going to magnify your movement. So that, that was hard for me to get used to as well. But yeah, it's funny you say that because this past weekend when I was trying to get ready for that 3d event, I, I had mentioned, I, I popped, you know, I shoot a six power lens for my paper Well, I dropped it down to that four power lens. And I, I went back, I went and drew back and I sat and I just, oh, it, it was like, it wasn't moving that, you know, just the two power drop from the six to the four. I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing is sitting like a rock. <laughs> it was great. Uh, yeah, that bow holds so good. I shoot a four power lens and you, you, you hear some of the people that are shooting an eight power lens in 3d and it's like, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine doing that. Especially when you're in a wind, like this tournament we shot last Saturday, it was, there was some 30 mile an hour wind gusts coming through. So that's rocking you a little bit more. And I couldn't imagine having a, a, a strong magnification like that and trying to hold still with the wind blowing and oh my gosh. I think if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's what page shoots for everything. I think, I think for 3d and everything, yep. she shoots an eight. Yeah, I, I believe that's correct. I think she shoots an eight power lens. And, um, uh, interestingly, I, I was having this conversation with some of my buddies this weekend too. After I, after I experienced that, um, you know, that shift from the six power to the four power and how, how, how just rock solid that four was holding. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to try. I'm going to, I'm going to get an eight power lens and I think I'm going to shoot practice with an eight power for on paper. And then when it comes close to tournament time, drop that eight out and drop down to the six. And I, I have to believe for my brain, it's probably going to be a similar effect. Similarly, um, oh, not a bad idea. I might have to try that myself. When I came home that, that day and grabbed that hunting bow, of course I had no lens in that at all. Well, holy cow. I mean, you want to talk about a, you want to talk about a pin holding still. I mean, I just had to put that pin somewhere in the zip code and just shoot a strong shot. And I was, I was throwing frozen ropes at it. It was just, if it was so much fun because like I said, from, from shifting gears for your brain, going from that six power movement down to virtually, I mean, it's the pin still moving. It's just, you can't see it. Right. Um, all that movement's still there, but your brain just doesn't pick it up. And, um, it, it was kind of fun, uh, that, that hunting bow just, just sat right there. That pin just sat there. Like it was glued to the, to the target. And both of us have mentioned the different diameter arrows, what, what that can do for you. And, uh, I think a lot of people, uh, again, everybody that shoots this stuff all the time, they understand, but there's a lot of people new to shooting 3d and, or even paper. I don't think they really grasp the concept of why a fatter arrow, larger diameter arrow can help you. Um, but it's the, it's the circumference of the arrow, diameter of the arrow that, you know, gets you closer. You can be just barely out of a line and like, oh, if my arrow was fatter, it would have touched the line. Uh, I think a lot of people also have trouble understanding the fact that in most cases, I would say a larger arrow is harder to tune unless you've got the right set up with your bow and you know how to tune your bow and tune arrows and everything else. I've seen guys go from 23s to 27s and couldn't hit crap uh, because their their bow wasn't tuned for it. Now I'm lucky the bow that I'm shooting 
I can actually tune, I, I'm shooting 26s and my bow shoots 26s better than it does a 23. I'm just lucky that the way it's set up and the hmm. tweaks I've made with it, um, that is the way it does. I, like I said, I love my 26s. I can shoot them very well, much better than a 23. So what, what process do you go through switching arrow diameters? Yeah, that's always a little bit of an adventure. And I'll also say, I mean, for me, it varies from bow to bow. You know, like if I'm tuning my hunting arrows to my hunting bow, that Victory 37, um, you know, the bow itself is just, it's designed very different than my Super Focus XL. Um, you know, the cam system, the cables, the, you know, it's all different. So, uh, you know, that Super Focus XL, it's got a yoke system on it. Um, and so, you know, if I have left or right tears, I can, I can take, put in twists or take twists out left side, right side to, to, to help mitigate a tear. Um, so, so the process that I use, um, and I also, I will also say, um, when I paper tune, you know, there's some people that are, they are not happy until they, they absolutely have to shoot a perfect bullet hole and they will not stop tuning until they can get that perfect bullet hole. Um, I'm not that guy, uh, especially when it comes to the indoor bow, because for indoor, you're only shooting 20 yards. So if I have a slight right or a slight left tear, as long as I'm hitting consistently at 20 yards, I don't get too wound up about that. Um, you know, with the technology and the arrows today and the veins, you can set up an arrow to, to correct its steering pretty quickly. You, you, you put a little helical in there, you, uh, you know, you do a little bit of tuning here and there and, and you can usually get them tearing pretty good, pretty quickly. Um, on my hunting bow though, my hunting bow is a different story. I'm a little more particular about my paper tune on my hunting bow because here in the upper Midwest, it's not uncommon to have longer shots. Um, you know, we always try to get as close as we can, but in the terrain, in the badlands, and you know, you had some of this big, big sky country, open terrain, it's not, it's not always easy. And sometimes you find yourself taking a longer poke. And so, you know, arrow steering right off the string for me on my hunting bow is, is pretty important. And so I want that hunting bow to be, to be shooting rock solid bullet holes. I would agree with that. I also shoot a fixed broadhead. So that's, that's a little different too, where you want it to be as 100% accurate as possible. I got to give a shout out to uh, one of our volunteer coaches that worked with the archery team at Linwood University, Joe Redding. Uh, Joe actually owns his, o his own bow shop as well, and he's always working on all the kids' bows and everything, and he's also uh, builds strings. And he, actually, the strings that I have on my bow now are the ones that he's built. I think they're the best ones I've ever shot. But Heartland Bow Shop is his shop's name, but Joe's got my uh competition bow set up now and tuned and everything that i actually wish he hadn't done it as well as he did because i'm already out of excuses there's no way it's the bow's fault 
I kind of liked it when there was, oh, this is wrong or that's wrong. But he's got new strings on my bow. He's changed top hats. He did everything on my bow. And he's got that baby shooting just bullet holes every time. So now I have no excuses but to get my own head out of my own rear end and yeah, shoot better. For sure. You know, talking about tuning, one of the other things that just popped popped into mind that I pay a lot of attention to and um, I guess, you know, if you don't have access to a bow press that has a draw board on it, um, that that's a limiting, certainly a limiting factor. But the other, the other really important thing that I, I periodically, I mean, every couple of weeks I'll put my bow on the draw board just to check the timing, the timing on the, on the top and bottom cams. Um, and if, if you, if again, I guess just, you know, not, not to be, uh, you know, overly simplistic, you know, for anybody who might listen, who's not familiar with the bow timing, right? The timing that I'm talking about is when the draw stops on the top and the bottom cam, as you draw the bow, there's draw stops on that cam that, uh, typically will make contact with the cables, uh, that, that, that sets what they call your back wall. Right. And so when you come to full draw, um, the, the, the typical, or I think what would be generally considered the optimum configuration is that your top and bottom cam timing is, is equal, meaning that your draw stops on your top cam and your bottom cam are going to make contact with that cable at the same time in stereo. And if they're not, that's going to throw your arrow. It's going to affect or impact the trajectory of the arrow coming off the string. And so that's just a, it's another basic tuning step that, um, you definitely don't want to overlook that. Um, I know for more advanced shooters, um, there's lots of stories out there and I'm sure you can go find a million videos and, 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 and tips, you know, you'll certain, certain pros will purposely, uh, change the timing of a top cam or a bottom cam, they'll speed one up or slow one down because through their testing of thousands and thousands of shots with their bow configuration, they'll figure out that, boy, you know, if I, if I speed up my bottom cam, just a tick, this thing really pounds, you know, it's, it's, that's the microscopic fine tuning that some of your top pros will do. And they, they know their equipment so well that they'll figure that out through just through iteration and testing, um, they'll play around with that timing because with certain bow models, um, you know, having, having your bottom cam a little faster, um, makes the bow shoot a little better. And so, uh, but I think for most people, generally speaking, um, you want to have that timing to where it's equal on your top and bottom. I was talking to a guy last year that said he actually had his bottom limb was cranked in a little tighter than his top limb was because he saw a video where one of the pros had done that. So that's why he did it. Not because it shot better, but because there was a pro that he saw a video of that did that. And that's what everybody needs to grasp also. Again, I'm not talking to the to the pros out there. This is for the people like just, just getting into this game that just because you saw a video of something that a pro did, 
does not mean you have to do the exact same thing to get the exact same results they're getting. There is no cookie cutter answer. Every bow is different. Everybody's grip is different. Everybody's stance is different. Everybody's release is different. The arrows are different. There's so many variables go, goes into it. There is not a cookie cutter answer on anything. And also keep in mind that if you change one thing, you're essentially changing everything. It's hard to change. So I, I got new strings on my bow and that, that changed my pounding to change where my sights were at. It changed how it felt when I was at full draw. It just, it changes everything. Yep. There's, there's definitely a ripple effect. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of testing lately and trying a lot of different things, trying to find a, you know, a, a good combination that works well for me. So I guess I, I would encourage people to try things, right? Testing is, I mean, it's through that iteration and the, and the testing that you're going to find what works best for you. Um, so I would certainly encourage that, but I think you need to, you need to have a process when you do it to Steve's point. If you try to change too many things, if you're trying to test four different changes at one time, it's going to be kind of hard to figure out which one's working and which one isn't right. You kind of have to kind of have to do a process. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give an example tonight. Um, I wanted to increase, well, uh, I wanted to increase my, my holding weight. Um, I, I, like I was saying, I was getting a little lazy on the back wall. So I wanted to make my, wanted to make my timing a little more aggressive. And so, uh, but the other thing I wanted to test was some other lenses tonight. And so, um, rather than trying to do both of those things at one time, I, I started with my, I started with my draw weight and my, my let off. So I changed my let off and I went back to the range and I shot, I don't know, three or four ends, uh, with the, with the new let off setting. And I, I really liked it. It, it, it definitely, there's still a little bit of a Valley and there's a good back wall, but it's aggressive enough that I can't, I can't let up with my back tension. If I, if I even think about letting off with my back tension, it starts to, it starts to jump on me. It wants to collapse. So it really keeps me honest against that back wall, which is what I was looking for. Uh, so once I got that kind of situated, then I went and grabbed my other lens and started playing around with the lens. And my only point there is, you know, again, you want to take it one thing at a time. Uh, if you try changing a lot of stuff all at once, um, you can really get yourself down a, down a rabbit hole in a hurry. And then you don't know what it is you did that worked or didn't work. So you gotta, you gotta kind of take it a step at a time. Um, here's a topic that I'd like to hear from you on Steve is arrow tuning. Um, this is another thing where you, t you know, some guys just go absolutely bonkers with arrow tuning and there's 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 definitely degrees there's on the one spectrum you have the guy who just slaps some veins on there and lets her buck it's like whatever it is it is um and then you have you know the the uh spine tuning and and all of these other different things so i'm curious to know where where do you sit on that spectrum um and what what kind of a process do you use for your arrow tuning so i i get a little bit nerdy with my arrows uh, a lot more than I used to. And once I get into the competition is when that changed in my life. Cause I used to be the guy before I started shooting competition, just an arrow was an arrow. I really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. Now I, I get the, 
the uh, blank arrows and I cut them to my to, to the length that I want. I have my own cutter. Um, and once I get that done, I square up the edges on you know front and back. Um, that it can actually make a difference how your arrow flies. Uh, if your knock is stuck in the back of an arrow and it's not cut perfectly square, it can actually push your arrow a little sideways. And same thing with the, the front side. If it's not perfectly squared off, as soon as your point makes contact, it can cause your arrow to deflect a little bit. So I got my arrows. I cut the, cut the length, square up the ends on them. Uh, then I have my knock bushings, and I got my scales, and I weigh each one of my knock bushings, and I check weight, and then I check all my knocks. I weigh each of them. And then I pair them up where they're going to be as close as possible. I check all my points. Now, as I build my arrows, um, I got the roller. So I put them on the rollers and, and, and uh, keep turning my uh, points as I'm putting them in there to get, it, get everything where it balances as well as possible. Uh, I do the same thing when I'm putting my fletching on. I get them where everything is balanced as well as possible. And then if I have an arrow with a point and fletching, and then let's just say it's you know, a grain lighter than the other ones, but I have a, a knock or something that's a grain heavier, you know, between that and the bushing, I will put those together. And when I'm all said and done right now, my competition arrows are 401 grains and I have a variable in the, I just built six last week and I have a variable of uh, eight tenths of a grain between my heaviest and my lightest. So I, I get a little little nerdy with it and again I'm, I'm shooting a 40 yard class i don't know if i'm really going to notice that big of a difference at 40 yards i really don't with, with my competition arrows as much again hunting arrows is something totally different when i'm shooting a heavier arrow kind of thing uh, but yeah I, I want to all fly as consistently as possible when i reach into my quiver and i pull an arrow out i know that arrow one should be as good as arrow two now that's, that's a whole nother thing though i do label all of my arrows so if i'm out practicing and i keep saying i have one shot that drops let's just say it's an inch low left compared to what my other ones are doing then i will pull that one out of rotation because i can always tell which one it is you see a consistent pattern with an arrow that's messing up on you and then i always have my it seems like there's always one that's just perfect and that's my that's my starter it gets the starting rotation and the other ones get to ride the bench until the starter gets messed up but I got, I got mine all, you know, one, two, three, four, five, and six. I start with number one and when it gets broken or whatever happens to it, um, or if he's bad and doesn't get a 12 when he's supposed to, then I'll put him on the bench and pull the next starter out. Yeah. I, uh, I, I do a similar thing. You know, sometimes you got to put those arrows in timeout if they're not behaving correctly, but I guess my real big takeaway from that, Steve, is, uh, if I'm shooting ASA against you in the future, um, I, that's that that number one arrow is that's the knock that i really want to go after yeah yeah um <laughs> that's always fun too when you got somebody you're shooting with at the asa tournaments and and they they put a good shot and you're you're right behind them and just man just i love shooting at somebody else's arrow but that's also screwed me a couple times too where i've actually hit an arrow and it's kicked me out into an eight or something like that. And the arrow that you actually smoked was in the 12 ring, but it kicked you out into an eight. Yeah. Uh, that that's, but smashing somebody else's arrow. We were shooting, like I said, this past Saturday and, and there was another person that we had jump into our group with us and they shot high and, you know, like four inches higher than everybody else was shooting there. And, just talking to them about it, and they're like, Oh, I shot high on purpose so I didn't hit nobody else's arrow. We're like, no, that's that's half the game. If somebody's got an arrow in a good spot, just smash it. 
That's what it's all about. I do not get upset at all if somebody smashes my arrow, and I, they better not be upset when I smash theirs because we will do it. Last year, I had a guy that was I shot with quite a bit. He, he's also from the state of Missouri, and we shot against each other at the, at the state shoot as well. But we just got on a roll. Like every target, he was smashing my arrow, or I was trying to smash his arrow, and it was so much fun. It, it became a contest within a contest. How many of his arrows could I break? And he was like, how many of my arrows can nice. he break? It was, it's that's so much fun. You start doing that. It takes a lot of the tension off the actual competition side of it. It does. Yeah. Um, no, that's good. So in Missouri right now, um, so you shot in this thing, what was it you said last weekend? It was last Saturday. Yes. Just a few days ago. So is that, so is that part of your... Was that just like a fun shoot or has your like state competition no, it, season, was that like a kickoff for that? No, it, it's a, it's one of our local clubs. I say local, it's 70 miles away from me. Um, it was just a fun shoot they were having, but they will also will be hosting some of these state ASA qualifiers as well. I like I said, I, I love shooting. Now, so course. when does that, when does all that? Uh, we will start up. In the next couple of weeks, actually, but there there's shoots that go all over the state. Uh, I forgot how many. They're still adding some to the list. Also, yeah. I mean, the list is not official yet. There's already like I don't know, yeah, fifteen of them or so throughout the state. It's always fun to do. It's another advantage that I think you know you ge just geographic advantage that you have that you're able to get outside and shoot outdoors at this time of year and. And you're out, and I'm I'm assuming that all your clubs down there are shooting Delta McKenzie's. Um, so you're, yeah, you're we all have Delta McKenzie's, but it was, yeah, it, it helps with the Delta McKenzie target. So it, it is what you see when you go to an ASA shoot. But it was 43 degrees. It was cloudy, 25, 30 mile an hour wind gust. You know, so it wasn't like what you would call prime shooting conditions. But sure. having the weather like it was, and I'm, I'm the guy too. I like practicing in the wind. There's a lot of people like, oh, I'm not going to go shoot in the wind. Uh, I love practicing in the wind because if, if you're the guy that always wants to shoot when the weather's nice and then you get to a tournament and it's windy, you're hosed. I shoot in the wind and you just learn how to deal with it. And if I get to a tournament and the weather's nice and bonus for Steve. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you and I, I tend to feel the same way. I have to to an extent because in North Dakota, it's almost always windy. So, um, you know, whether you're hunting or practicing outside, you're, you're more than likely going to have to deal with it. But I, I tend to agree with you. I think, I think the mistake that some people make is the mental side of that. You know, I, I think generally speaking, when we practice, the objective is to build confidence, right? You're, 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 you're practicing to, 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 to iterate, and, and build confidence. And I think, you know, when you're, when you're practicing in a windy condition, you just have to make sure that you're resetting your expectations, uh, accordingly, right? Because you're probably not going to build a whole lot of confidence going through that. You're really, the objective there is to try to figure out how to manage it. Right. And so, um, I think, I think there, there's a difference too between practicing in the wind and trying to zero your sights in in the wind. 
that I will not do. I'll get my, my sights zeroed in either when the weather is nice or go to an indoor range, some of that nature. Uh, once my sights are zeroed, I want to practice in the wind. Uh, I shoot a hinge and I have found that when it's windy and I learn to concentrate on, am I working my release properly? It seems like you just forget about the wind. Again, if you get a big gust come along and you can let up on it or something like that, that's one thing. But uh, if you got that steady 10, 15 mile an hour wind with the stronger gust coming through, let up on it when you get the big, strong gust coming. But I just start, I said, I, I literally just get in my little zone, concentrate on my, on my shot, and my release, things of that nature. And I just, I just ignore the wind. It's just, it's just part of it. Like I said, if I get out there and shoot and it's not windy, that's great. Well, good deal. I mean, uh, yeah. So I guess for me, you know, I guess kind of put a bow on this one. Um, I still have a lot of work to do to feel like I'm ready to step out on a, on an ASA range for sure. Um, but I, I have some options. I, I just, I need to figure some stuff out. Um, I'm still, like I said, I'm still trying to figure out what my 3d season is going to look like this year. Um, but I know, I know, uh, I, I want to be out there for sure. I, I love it. Um, uh, and you know, having been away from it last season, I'm, I'm anxious to get back to it. Um, but I'll just have to figure out some of the logistics around the, the, the where and the when. So, um, to be determined, um, also looking forward to getting that new bow in my hands. Um, I'm really anxious to see how that performs for me. Um, that'll part, that'll, that'll be part of my decision-making as well as to what I shoot for, for 3d. Am am I going to shoot the new bow or will I shoot the target bow? Um, so still, still a lot to, a lot to figure out there, but, um, we'll get there. Yes, sir. I'm definitely looking forward to 3d season. So I got a, last year I worked my tail off and, and had some good success. Now I got to just go out there and prove to myself that it wasn't a fluke that I did earn it. And so I'm, I'm coming in hot. So I hope you're there when we get to go to the range. Well, I, I do too. Um, and, uh, I am pretty sure that it wasn't a fluke cause I know darn well, just having kept in touch with you that you worked your tail off. So I know you earned every bit of, uh, of whatever you achieved last year. And, uh, um, I'm anxious to, to see how you, uh, how you carry over into this new year. I, I, I know you're coming with a vengeance and I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh Yeah. Yeah. I remember what you said to me after I had the stroke too. I we, we talked about, you know, if next time we get on the range together, I'm like, don't go easy on me. And you, you made the comment like, well, I'm going to be rooting for you, but I'm going to be beating you the whole time. <laughs> so, bring it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, no, that's, uh, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I never lay down. I, I, I respect you too much for that. I would never lay down, but, um, I, I, I'll certainly be sitting there fist bumping you when you pound some 12s. Yep. So I look forward to it. Steve. Like I said, I, I got a lot of mental part to fix before I start really getting super comfortable, but, um, I'm definitely shooting a lot stronger now than I was a year ago at this time. Uh, I just got some mental rust to knock off and get back into competition mode. So I'll be ready. Good deal. All right, sir. Well, I think we, uh, I think we beat this one up pretty good. So, uh, we'll call call it a night on this episode and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back here 
uh, in the not too distant future. So when we get to get down to Foley, hopefully we can get some uh, interviews with some of the people there and, and have a have a podcast going out from Foley. That's that's the goal anyway. Sounds like a plan. All righty, Joe. I appreciate you, buddy. Right back at you. All right. So if anybody's got any questions, uh, shoot us an email, wildarrowod at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Anything you got any questions on, comments, whatever you got, let's talk about it. So with that being said, we'll wrap this one up. Everybody have a great evening. Thanks, Steve.